Welcome to episode two of our Youth Engagement Podcast Series, as Michael and I chat with Bo Hikari, the Youth Unit Project Lead at the Centre for Multicultural Youth. Bo shares some insights on how young people can help to reimagine space and the way in which we live, learn, work and play. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to those elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to LN Connect podcast. Today's series or episode is based on a youth engagement series of the back of support from Vic Health and Future Healthy Initiatives, providing a platform for young people's voices to be heard at a community level. So today we've mixed things up in the host chair a little bit. Usually there's a bit of a, a MK and TD action, but we've got Nat Nolan sharing the, the chair with me, uh, who's a bit of a regular for those that listen to the first episode. Nat Nolan, or as we like to call her, Flossie, welcome to the chair. Thank you for having me. I, I must admit, I'm really, really looking forward to this. I always do love having a chat with Bo, um, our guest for today. And I am sitting here with my hot chocolate and my three marshies, and um, I'm getting used to this hot seat, I have to say, MK. Hey, Matt, tell us a little bit about your footwear, footwear today. Talk to <laughs> listeners through what's going on down there. I don't know that it's something I should share, but I think we all we've all adjusted to wearing our mockies or our slippers. And I'm sitting here with my purple slippers, and they look well. I think they're okay, but <laughs> it's a good thing the listeners can't see. Are they are they branded? Are they, are they a branded type of <laughs> mocko or? <laughs> oh, they're a two dollar fifty Kmart pair, but I'm happy to say that. <laughs> I'm sure everyone out there is smiling and nodding their head at the same time. But um, how did you how did you feel the hot seat was the first time around, Nat? With uh, Timmy, he's a cool, calm customer. He would have looked after you pretty well. Um, he did, he did, and I'm very much looking forward to um going a little bit more off script with you today. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it was it was a great experience. So thanks for having me. No worries, Fossey, and uh, we look forward to today's conversation. Um, so today we're so very lucky, uh, and we had a bit of a chat off air, and you'll you'll soon buy into this. Um, our guest has an amazing, amazing voice, as he said, a, a voice for radio, and has been on a few uh, ads over his time, as he as he talked about offline. And sorry, I probably shared some uh, personal information there, but our guest today is Bo uh, Haudaki, uh, the project lead for youth, uh, lead uh, lead unit at the Centre of Multicultural Youth, so CMY. So welcome, Bo, and thanks for joining us. Hey, MK. Hey, Ned. Nice to be here today. It's awesome. Beautiful day here in Melbourne as well. So um, don't worry, Ned. I've got my Ugg boots on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bo, tell us a little bit about your, uh, you've got, you're wearing a few like necklaces, the earrings. Tell us a little bit about that. Is there any, any stories to, to what you'd like to, you know, roll around with over there? Yeah. So um, I am originally from New Zealand. I've been in Melbourne for about five years, so I don't know, sort of new, newly fresh-ish. I don't know if I can call call myself a Victorian yet, um, but I am a New Zealand Maori um, background. So I'm currently wearing a necklace. It's called a matau. Um, it's actually a, a hook. And a little bit of a story, um, it's a representative of Maui's hook, and Maui was one of the our, our ancestors, I guess, and some would call them myths and legends. And they say that um, Maui hooked up 
the New Zealand islands. Um, so we've got, you know, you've got two islands, the north and the south, um, and the north island is uh, in the shape of a fish. And um, this is the hook that he used to uh, fish up the North Island. And the South Island is actually in the shape of a boat. Um, and that is apparently the boat that he, he was on when he hooked up the North Island. So there you go. A little bit of New Zealand history for you. Wow. Wait, Nat, what's the first thoughts going through your mind right now? I've, I've just had a history lesson right then. I had no idea. I'm just, um, again, we're, we're always learning and that's something new that I've learnt. So thank you for, for sharing. I'm, I love my fishing as well too. So I've got all sorts of things going on. Yeah. Thinking what kind of, amazing, what kind of fish you'd catch in New Zealand. But anyway, <laughs> I won't go too much off script to you, but um, thanks for sharing both. So uh, Nat loves her kayak. She has a fishing kayak. She loves uh, heading awesome. out there on the weekends and uh, so she really enjoys that. She'll probably pick your brain after today about uh, about that. But <laughs> hey, Bo, Bo, quick one for you. Just a big quick fire question: uh, North or South Island, and and why? I have to say the North. I'm a tropical boy. I'm a beach boy. So I was I was um, born near the ocean. So I love the ocean. Um, love my fishing as well and my seafood. Um, so definitely the North Island. Um, yeah, love the sun. South's a bit too cold for me. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thanks. It's a really, yeah, really nice introduction. And as you've seen already, Bo, we're a little bit off script here and a little bit bit uh, <laughs> left field. But we'll get into what we're here for. And, and I guess for us, we really want to unpack the role that our young people play in community these days and, and the impact and the, and the legacy and the leadership that they can play in driving a, a stronger and more resilient community. From uh, your role within CMY, can you just tell us a little bit about, there are listeners, uh, a little bit about what CMY are up to, um, what the mm. organisation's about, and, and probably your role as well would be great. Yeah, awesome. So, uh, again, my name is Bo, Bo Hodaki. Um, I'm the project lead here at CMY for the Youth Lead Unit. Um, the Youth Lead Unit's a new space for CMY, um, but just to back it up a little bit, so just to give you a bit of context of, of what our organisation is all about. Um, so we're a not-for-profit not organisation based in Victoria. And what we do is we provide specialist knowledge and support to young people from migrant and refugee backgrounds. And for over 30 years, so we're, we're We've been around, we've been in the game for a little bit. Um, 30 years, we've been working to ensure that young people from migrant and refugee backgrounds have every opportunity to succeed. Um, and we do this by removing the barriers many young people face as they make Australia their home. Um, and we do that through a combination of support services, programs, sector capability building, advocacy and knowledge sharing. Um, we're based in the in sort of the growth corridors of, of Melbourne, um, Melbourne's northwest and the southeast regions. And we also in our regional um, settings of Ballarat and Gippsland. Um, so that's a little bit about the, the organisation. Um, and one of the projects that I'm a part of and, and something that CMY has been working on over the last uh, year and a half, I'd say nearly two years, is the development of a youth-led unit. Uh, the youth-led unit, and I think historically, um, people may know if you know CMY, um, historically we are a youth-informed organisation. So we have things like the YAG groups and advisory groups that advise us on the different programmes and services that we deliver. But this uh, unit is really looking at providing a space primarily for young people to, to create, deliver, 
design, develop programs and services by young people for young people, and then CMY coming at the back of them, sort of pushing and, and supporting with resources and, and time um, for them to do that work. So um, it's an exciting space for us. It's a really exciting space for us, and um, we are nearly there. We're, we're about to start delivering some services under the youth-led unit um, come uh, August, September. Um, yeah, it's great, exciting stuff. So, um, you're, you've talked about, um, you've used the words youth-informed, you've used the words co-design from at Centre for Multicultural Youth. It just really seems that young people are really the heartbeat um, of at the Centre for Multicultural Youth. What are, which leads me to my my question, which is around what is what is the co-design process with young people look like, and why is it really important to, I guess, when thinking about listeners who may be in community clubs or community organisations um, that have some special ideas or projects. So, talk to us a little bit about the co-design and the importance of it. Yeah, and look, co-design is um, it's sort of a term that gets thrown around here, there, and everywhere. Um, and when when put to to use um, the right way, has a really great impact on um, the users and the consumers of of whatever program or service that is being um, co-designed. When I think of co-design, um, Nat, I'm thinking equal partnership. Um, equal partnership between young people um, and the organisations that, that are co-designing with them. Um, quite often we have uh, organisations like ourselves, uh, you know, like I said, youth informed as we develop the programs and then we give that to young people to participate in. But a co-design process lets us take um, lets us and allows multicultural young people to come on that journey of development of those services. Um, and then also we're able to test it. We're able to put it out there. We can change things up from their perspective um, and then deliver um, the, the program or the project or service. Um, another thing is when I, when I think about co-design is ensuring youth voice and uh, the lived experiences of young people um, in that process is really important. Um, you know, we're in a changing world. Uh, in a changing world, we need innovative and new solutions to the changing issues that exist um, in our communities. And more so um, when I think about the process that we've been through with our multicultural communities, um, I think it's really important for migrant and refugee young people because of the uh, complexities that exist around the issues um, for those uh, communities. Um, so I think it's like super important um, to, to make sure that we get that right. Hey, Bo, what I loved in that answer was around when we think about co-design, you said joint partnership. Um, Flossie, I don't know if you've heard though that exact terminology before, but I think that's the, that's almost the perfect definition for co-design, in my view. It explains it so well. Mm. It can, and yes, I have. And particularly with the word that ties in quite nicely with it is inclusion. And I guess that equal partnership can really add a meaningful lens um, from a community perspective and thinking about it more broadly as well too, particularly in the way that we can think about doing things differently and bringing young people along for the journey as an equal partnership. Hey, I think so. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say as well, just to add on to that, when we're talking about equal partnership and joint partnership, 
the flow-on effect of that is buy-in. You have buy-in by these communities that are actually co-designing. They feel like a bit of ownership happening. Um, it's something that they're being part of. So then they're more um, the communities that are you know, ending up to participate in these services and programs, they actually feel a little bit better about participating because they're like, okay, I know the person that co-designed this or, you know, there's a little bit of buy-in and ownership from those community groups. So I um, just wanted to add that little thing in as well. Hey, Bo, what's the, um, little bit off script, but I think it's it's relevant. What are you seeing with young people these days working directly with them that we potentially haven't seen with past generations of, of youth coming through? Like, the reason why I asked that question, we were running a mental health session with a club recently, and how articulate a young male spoke about mental health and uh, well-being was far beyond the years of I, what I expected of young people in regards to creativity, innovation, doing things differently. What is there anything you can put your, your finger on in regards to the, the changing landscape for even the language young people are using these days? Yeah, look, uh, I'm constantly in awe of um, the young people that we have in these spaces and the the intellectual capacity of them and the way that they speak and the, the so in tune with the issues that are happening currently. And um, so definitely that's been a, a big theme. I would say, though, um, full disclosure, I am a young person myself. I feel like, well, I'm, I'm 30, so um, CMY classifies a young person 30 and under so i'm just on the cuts of um being a young person so i'm holding on i'm holding on (laughs) i'm holding on to my youth um and so i i guess over the last 10 years i've been in the space um as issues change like i said the world changes and like we've seen in the last two years so many things have happened in the last two years um young people are coming to us with such innovative um, thinking and solutions and things that we haven't thought about around the use of tech and AI and you know all these different um, things that, that are changing, the landscape's changing in the world. And these young people are way in front of us. We're just still trying to catch up to them and say, hang on, let's, we, we don't know what to do here. So <laughs> um, that's probably the main thing that I've seen um, with young people. Um, I again just talking about language like I've been writing writing a few things down and just hearing you talk about um, you know how I love that message about that there's a still trying to catch up um, mentality which is something I think that we can all again more broadly learn from as a community. Um, Just a question just around Um, particularly around the future, if I could add Future Healthy here, which is some of the important work that we're doing with um, Vic Health to support and amplify the voice of young people and particularly in working as yourself with multicultural young people. Why is it really important, do you think, um, and what do young people tell you about amplifying their voice and wanting to get their voice open and heard? What are some of the key things? Yeah, it's a a super important, great question. And um, I I did mention already some of those um, reasons why it's important, the changing world, um, the different issues that exist. I think one of the the things that I 
get drawn to and and I'm not in any ways a data nerd, but I like looking at reports and reading different things. And um, I got quite excited when the census came out <laughs> and started looking through that. Um, but one of the things that did come out from the census is that nearly half of Australians have a parent that are born from overseas. And nearly 30%, I think it's around 27% of Australians currently in, in, in Australia are born from overseas. So it just goes to show the data doesn't lie. Um, and it just goes to show that migrant and refugee communities are at large in Australia. And um, the services and the support and the opportunities that exist for uh, migrant refugee communities just doesn't reflect that. So that's why I think it's important that we have so much work to do. Um, over the next uh, few years to, to sort of flip flip that. Um, one of the other statistics I seen was around um, university graduates. Um, now, I don't know the exact figure, but it was something quite high, over 50% of um, current graduates of university come from multicultural backgrounds, um, but only 5% of those graduates will make it to leadership roles. Um, in society. So um, again, the data doesn't lie. And I think it's so important that we um, continue to work to, to find ways to amplify the voices and, and the issues that exist. And not only that, it needs to go a step further to find solutions. Um, and again, I go back to the changing world needs, you know, innovative, critical thinking and solutions. Thanks, Bo. Um Again, I find myself as I'm listening and it was those statistics really do do provide me with some real clarity as well too. And again, I find myself learning just listening, um, which again is a really important message and certainly is part of a podcast as well too that we can all sort of take things away from as well. I'm thinking um, just a, a next question, if I may. I'm thinking about the theory of change, which is something that we often hear, particularly in the workplace and particularly in health promotion as well too, which is very relevant. And as we know, the theory of change is it really articulates how we believe change will happen. Um, you've mentioned the youth unit and there's been a really good a big investment with the Centre for Multicultural Youth in your online resources, your hubs and your workshops. Um, where are you hoping um, that all that work and all that planning, and I know that we spoke to each other a year ago and you were on this really important journey, where are you hoping to see the greatest impact from all that work? Um, the greatest impact would definitely be uh, the opportunities that are created through the, the work that we're doing with the Youth Ed Unit. Um, the, the conversations that are coming to us from young people is the lack of space, the lack, the lack of um, space and time and resources for young people to just come together and be young people um, and figure this stuff out themselves and then come to us and say, this is what we've come up with. What do you think? Um, how can we make it happen? And then an organisation getting at the back of them and, and saying, you know, this is what we can do for you. Um, I think so that that's definitely one of the um, impacts that we're wanting to, to happen is to just create space. Very simple. 
create space. Um, and we hope that that other organizations, because this is definitely, um, there's lots of risks that are involved in, in doing a project like this, um, especially for organizations that have, you know, got a 30-year um, reputation. And um, I think it's important that CMY as an organization took that leap of faith and and takes the risks and starts to hand a bit of that power I guess over to young people to make their own decisions so that we're not over here making decisions for them um, and hopefully that sort of model um, is replicated across the sector um, that would be sort of a, a, an amazing thing that will happen um, and when I, th when I think about creating space as well for multicultural young people specifically, um, I think of all these other spaces that we can sort of infiltrate and start to create spaces in. And we're looking at local sports um, clubs, we're looking at sort of your local dance studios, um, and then you're looking at these bigger multinational corporate um, companies that, you know, we hear stories in the news about you know, rugby league clubs or um, you know, uh, other big companies that exist out there and there's these stories of racism happening and um, the inequalities that are there. We hope to be able to create spaces in all of these parts of society that allows them to get a, a, a the full effect of how multicultural young people live through their own lived experiences. Um, yeah, that that's hopefully a legacy we can we can keep moving forward with hey bo this is a i'm really fascinated by this next piece um around the research that suggests young people from old cultural communities feel welcome when cultural food is offered um, which supports you know inclusion um which i think is quite fascinating when we're talking about getting you know young people to um sporting opportunities and, and participation within um active you know active recreation but to actually the, the ability to that that food the role that food plays in that in creating inclusive environments i think is quite quite fascinating what advice do you have for the the sporting or recreation uh, recreational communities um, who may struggle with volunteers um as a result of accessing um culturally appropriate foods yeah, and, and look, I fully get this. I'm a Māori myself, and uh, we love our food. <laughs> we love our cultural food. We say it's cultural, but I don't think KFC is that cultural, but we love it anyway. Um, but yeah, a great question, and I think um, one of the first things that comes to mind is engagement engagement first, engage the community first. Community-led as well as youth-led is really important. So really understanding uh, what that means and, and how to do that is important. Um, and I know sort of consultations and when you're speaking with, with your community groups can be quite time and resource draining for some. We understand that. But there also are small steps that you can take as a as a small, you know, local group or local sporting um, groups. You can take small steps in doing that um, by just reaching out to people, um, having the conversations one on one, you know, get the family together, have a conversation about what works, what will help bring your voices together as a family or as a, a, a group. Um, knowledge sharing um, is, is super important. I also want to acknowledge as well uh, COVID. COVID in the space has been uh, been massive and you know CMY has seen a uh, 
a massive difference from pre-COVID to now um, that we are struggling to find volunteers. Um, and we, we've just been through a recruitment drive for volunteers over the last few months. And uh, sort of before COVID, we would get over 100 applications for volunteers, and now we're getting around about 20. Um, so acknowledging that COVID has played a big part and, and will continue to play a part in, uh, in this. And when I think about that, I think, why? Why is the what's the difference? And I I believe, and this is just my personal opinion, that um, people have through COVID have um, have seen the value of their time, and we've seen that through um, you know people have quit their nine to five jobs to find at home jobs um, because the value of time nowadays you spend more time with family and and doing the things you love um, compared to working your nine to five job. Um, so the value of time has definitely come to the forefront, and I think that has had a flow-on effect with volunteering. Um, again, that's just my opinion. I haven't read any stats on that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just want to acknowledge COVID because I think that's played a big part. But um, going back to the question, um, that would be my, my sort of initial thing, and, and there's small steps. Um it takes time when you're engaging with communities, but I think just having the conversations, these small um, sporting groups is just creating the space, creating the time um, for your communities to have those conversations and um, you know, figure out what can work, because it's, it's all different. It's a really important message, Bo, about time and how we all value our time, and it's a really good it's an important reflection to think about our journey during COVID. Um, I, I was really interested to hear about um, that conversation around food um, as being part of, part of cultural identity. And, and you also talked about, you've used the word meaningful quite a bit as well too. So to be able to create a meaningful environment for young people in particular to get back into sporting communities, um, community services, um, community environments. Um, what what do you think is also really in part important part to make these young people feel really welcome and to re-engage them as well too? What other things would would they like to see? Um, what are they sort of telling you and and even from your own perspective? Yeah, I hear this word cultural identity uh, quite a bit as well. And I feel like, um, you know, finding cultural identity is a super important part of finding who you are as your self-identity. It's a part of your self-identity. And I can, I, I feel like I can speak on behalf of, um, I'm not a spokesperson for Māori and Pacifica, but I, um, as a Māori and Pacifica and, and being through that lived experiences and being a part of my community, I feel like I can speak to, to that a lot better. And this might translate into um, other cultures and other community groups out there. But we have, a, in, in our communities, we have a massive disconnect um, from our culture. And it's been happening for many, many years due to colonisation and and lots of other factors and especially when it comes to Māori and Pacifica living outside of your homeland 
mind. Um, there's a disconnection that happens. Um, for Māori and Pacifica, we're really connected to the land, to the sea, to the rivers, to the sky, to the birds, to the, you know, everything. Nature is, we're all one when it comes to our cultural and our cultural values. Um, so when you remove uh, a person from that environment and and you you get brought up in, in a totally different culture there's a disconnect that happens and um i feel like there's a sort of social effects that happen during that process um a young person you know cultural identity and identity is so important to to one's self and when you grow up in a country that's not yours and you've you start getting a bit older and you're thinking who am i where am I from? Where's my culture? What's you know what's what? And they don't know, and they don't know where to go, and they don't know how to find that. They start to you know all these social behavioural um, uh, issues start happening. So um, that's definitely something that that I've seen, and we continue to work. And we've got our uh, as part of CMY, we've got our Lemana Pacifica programs and project that we have, which is our Pacifica and Maori. Um, programs arm and they're doing uh, amazing work in, in that space uh, and you know through COVID they did a lot of that stuff because through COVID there was already that disconnection and then that disconnection went even further um, so our Limana team have done some amazing work and I know so many other um, cultural and community groups have done amazing work in those spaces as well um, so hopefully that answered the question <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for sharing, Bo. MK? Yeah, so what we, Bo, we've kind of uh, run out of time a little bit here. So it's been a, a great conversation and we've probably got a few more questions there we'd, we'd love to love to ask, but we um, we really appreciate your time. Um, and like Nat said, the language you've used has been just really, it's been really timely for us. And I think for our audience out there, the, the language will really connect quite, quite, quite well. So we really want to thank you for your time and thank you for taking us on a bit of a journey and, and taking us through a lot of, you know, a fair bit of heritage and, and some education for us as well. It's always great to be in the host chair because we actually learn a fair bit we get a one-on-one -on -one opportunity with it with a guest to to go deep dive and, and understand further um any final thoughts nat from you first first of all i think i i always like to go by the you know a measure of our intelligence as a community is our ability to change and being always open to learning um bo i've learned so much just from our conversation today lots of take-homes and particularly around how as a community we can reimagine space for young people and young people can really contribute to the way in which we live work learn and play um thank you for your insights i love your statistics and i just want to hear more of it <laughs> Hey, uh, and we'll talk fishing later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, Bo. Any anything that you wanted to touch on to to finish off with? Any further information about CMY? Any upcoming events or or information on where people can gather? Um, any follow up uh, data or anything like that? Uh, no, look, I, I think just uh, one message to, to sort of young people that are listening is that when we're talking about youth engagement, um, I guess my message is that uh, find what's important to you, what resonates with you, um, 
when we're thinking about sort of these issues, what is the problem in the world that exists that is important to you and find a solution for it and then find your people, find your groups um, that can help you to, to do that, to, to find a solution to those to that problem. Um, look, CMYs, we, we've got many access points to CMY. Can, we've, we're on most um, and probably all social media account, um, platforms. Um, our website's a great place to go with all our information there, the different programs that we um, offer. And um, yeah, really excited to hopefully start connecting with some awesome young people and organisations out there. Thank you, Bo. And I guess um, to find this episode, uh, you just need to check out your Apple podcast, uh, wherever you find your, your podcasts uh, or Legend Network social pages. So feel free to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you, you find your socials um, or on our website. So for further information about Legend Networks or CMI or our, our partnership work with um, Sam White, please uh, go to our website. But for now, thank you so much, Bo. Thank you for representing Sam White. Nat Nolan, I think you've just found a new job in, in podcasting. Um, and we will <laughs> oh, see yeah. and, and we will see our, our listeners uh, for our third episode uh, being released soon around a youth-focused um, initiative. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Bo. This podcast series will take our listeners through Leisure Network's journey, impacting people in our community through programs and services delivered. We will mix our industry knowledge with real stories and real facts that can better inform the community we serve. This podcast contains the thoughts and opinions of our presenters and isn't necessarily represented across the organisation.